Welcome to the Muddy Waters of Freedom with your hosts, Matt Wright and Mohammed Shaker. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Muhammad, I get screwed more often by Mark Zuckerberg than his wife, Shaker. I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. So, you can't share today's episode because Mark Zuckerberg is racist. No, I just I just refuse to share it today. <laughs> I don't want to. This show sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gone with Mark Zuckerberg is racist personally, and he hates Muslims. You know, a lot of people have told me that it might be a racial thing. Yeah. So maybe. I heard he was Jewish. I believe. I mean. Oh, God. I don't want to get called a Nazi. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, don't get called a Nazi. We've already had that problem. <laughs> First, uh, I totally forgot. I wanted to jump right into the Facebook stuff. Uh, let's uh, thank Low Tide Kava Bar for the kava that we drank on our show. Yeah, you're going to definitely want to mix that. Okay. For those of you watching live, you can see we have a guest with us. I'll introduce him after we... Okay. All right. Shells up. Bula. 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 Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yes. My bad. Normally I explain it, but I know yeah. that you were at low tide before this, so I assume that some sort of no, he wasn't able. We, we I got him his, I, I got him his drink, and uh, we came here right away. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, I always mess this up. But I believe Bula is Fijian for like long life and happiness, mm, or something. Okay, I get it. Long life and good health. That makes sense. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't argue with me. <laughs> Um, so we have a guest on today. We do. Would you like to do the honors? You're, you're the one that practiced how to say his Polish ass last <laughs> Okay, so we have uh, a fellow Facebook friend of mine. Uh, it's my first time meeting him in person. Uh, David Gronoski. Uh, Nailed it, it. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I know a good amount of Polish people. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he loves the Poles. Autumn Dabrowski, mm-hmm. uh, Alex Widoslowski, so Mike Shashevsky. No, I don't. I don't know who that is. I'm just naming oh the poles I know, the Polacks I know. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, David uh, is a writer for Fee, and he's here to talk to us about uh, one of the articles he wrote last week. He wrote two of them. We can even talk about both of them if he wants, if we have time. Um, and how about I give up the mic for you? to tell us um, what brought you in the movement, what you do for work, mm-hmm. uh, and what you're doing right now in the movement. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on the program. And Absolutely. Uh, thanks for coming out from Lakeland. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I, you guys have a great reputation from the, the, the bit I've seen and the, the videos I've seen of you guys. So, But, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a writer. I, I do a little bit of public speaking. Um, and I've been in the liberty movement since I, well, I accepted capitalism into my heart in 2007, I believe. I mean, real capitalism, <laughs> the, the kind that uh, the kind that Ron Paul preached uh, back then. And uh, I ever since capitalism into my heart. <laughs> ever since then, it's been it's been a date with destiny, and it's only grown. And 
been a very depressing situation because as you you know get into it, the re you realize, man, we've got a lot of challenges and these are going to be difficult to fix. This is not something we're fixing anytime soon here. No, <laughs> but uh, but there but there's a sense of uh, hope in the in the long term that I hold on to. Right, that the momentum of freedom will always uh, prevail over the dumb ideas that we can think of to muck it up. Right, mm -hmm. with the government. So. I, I write for Fee, Lou Rockwell, WorldNet Daily, um, the American Conservative, different sites like that, and uh, I kind of focus on trying to. I'm trying to. My my main target is trying to get Christians actually to understand why liberty and voluntarism is the only thing they should be thinking about when they look at politics and voting. So, that's kind of my outreach. I'm trying to minister and you know be a missionary to the church actually. So it's a, it's a large group of people. So you're pretty religious. Uh, well, I yeah, I mean, I, I'm a Christian. My dad's a pastor, um, so I grew up in the church. Um, but what I'm trying to do is just get people to, whether you're uh, religious or secular, to look at the historical person of Jesus and then to say, well, if this is someone you aspire to be like, um, whether he existed or not, but 70% of people say he did, right, mm -hmm. uh, in America at least, uh, well, how, how, what would it look like to imitate Jesus when you go to the voting booth, when you go to the jury box? How would that look like if you want to call yourself an imitator of Jesus? Ted Cruz. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what I'm trying to unwind is yes, that, is that, yes. think, that kind of thinking. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, you know the, I've actually found that a lot of uh, libertarians and, and um, voluntarists who are secular really like this message because they get it. 70% of their neighbors are, are Christian in some way, shape, or form, and you need to deal with people where they are. And this, and this message that I've been trying to hone has been about trying to make it sit, have, you know, come home for them, you know, to say, if you are going to use that title, Christian, which literally just means little imitator of Jesus, like you're just a follower. Like if you're a, if you're a fan of uh, Prince, right, then you're a Princeian, right? Yeah. Right. So that kind of concept, if you're a Miesian, right, you like Mies, Mises, if you like uh, Hoppe, you're a Hoppian. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to take that name seriously and use it as your brand, as your identity, be consistent with what that actually entails, right? And you were mentioning that earlier. You know, you were telling me that you don't like to use the word Hoppian for yourself, even though you probably line up with a lot of his ideas. But because you haven't engaged his works too much yourself, you're not going to use that title loosely. And that's the same thing we're talking here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I haven't read really any of his works. Um, so I don't like to call myself one. Although from what I understand, Ken's about to walk into here again. Uh, he's a regular on this show. But, uh, for, very, this is like for, for, Mr. Uh, Rogers' Neighborhood. I like kind it. of. Yeah. Uh, everybody, everybody, once again, let's welcome Ken. <laughs> <laughs> My roommate Ken from Grassroots Cava House. Hello. <laughs> and for those of you who do not know, on December second, we will be at Grassroots Cava House for our one-year anniversary show. Yes, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be a big crowd. It's gonna be, be a great a time. Event. Yes. He's you know, been at your establishment, by the way. Yeah. He drove here from Lakeland. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Actually, first place he had Kava was at Grassroots. Oh, wow. <laughs> I am honored. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. That's yeah. going to be a good day. So if you are in St. Pete on December 2nd, make sure you come to Grassroots Cava House. 
Check out these guys. That's important. Yeah, this, <laughs> right to see us, but be there. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I don't remember what we were talking about. I don't know. I just like getting the free plug-in for our anniversary show on December second at Grassroots <laughs> Cava House. Um, How many episodes is it? We're on forty-two right now. Yeah, we're on forty-two. So right under now. the anniversary, it'll be what? It should be right around fifty-two. Cool. Yeah, it should be. Mm-hmm. Should be because we had one or I think we had one or two random shows in the middle of the week. Um, but but we've we did mi- have we've, like we've two, missed a bunch. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And we've, we're missing at least one more. Yeah. So. We'll work around it. It's okay. I mean, we've been consistent for near a year, uh, a year now, so yeah. that's all that matters. In I think we should make it episode 52 no matter what. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, let me just try to go back in time here to f- figure out what I was trying to say. Um, yeah, I have not read much of um, Hoppe's work. I probably do align with him. I don't know. Uh, but I do like Rothbard and Mises, so mm-hmm. yeah. And the thing that does annoy me is uh, all the asshole Hoppians, and I'm just like, I don't want to associate with you people, you know? Like, it's just it sucks. Right. And like some people, like Eric July, would disagree with me on this. I know that because he thinks it doesn't matter if there's like assholes or not. Like I, I, I understand where he's coming from, mm-hmm. um, but the whole messaging thing is really important to me and like public image is really important to me mm-hmm. um and i do believe our ideas are the best ideas of how to organize society so i don't want loud assholes muddying down our message mm-hmm. uh i did want to mention the name muddied waters of freedom yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're right um but i did want to mention something from what you were talking about um the funny thing is, uh, in in the liberty movement, you know, we have our assholes, as I've just been saying. Um, there, I've typically been treated very well by Christians such as yourself, mm-hmm. compared to like the atheist libertarians mm-hmm. that are like very hateful of like Islam and all Muslims, right. and they just lump us all in one basket. But like, I've had all types of well, uh, Christians and Jews. Like, come out to, like, support me and be like, yo, Muhammad, you know, not all Muslims, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's that's interesting because, you know, one of the things that we're seeing is we're seeing a kind of return, I think, to um, not – it's not as trendy anymore to be a new atheist. Have you noticed that kind of movement kind of died down a little bit? It was popular in the mid-2000s, that new atheism with Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and everything, and, and then – that kind of faded out for various reasons, I think, because it just didn't hold, didn't really stick. Um, and now you see people like Richard Dawkins saying, hey, maybe Christianity is a good bulwark from this out-of-control uh, multiculturalism where there's no sense of uh, foundational uh, moral transcendence, right? Where anything goes, there's... And that's what causes conflict. If you can't just be honest and say, yeah, I actually have a transcendent moral order, and I'm, I'm okay with that. It's And, and, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to push it on anybody else but if if you for example call yourself a christian too then you share the same transcendent moral order that i have right Mm -hmm. so we have the same presuppositions like jesus says do not resist evil with violence so where's the asterisk there that if you see someone doing a drug and you find that to be evil you know we can talk about whether it is or not certain drugs right but if someone thinks well you know you're doing heroin that's evil 
Where does it say in Scripture there's an asterisk when Jesus says, do not resist evil with violence? Oh, but you can, you know, use a gun to force your, your friend uh, who's doing heroin to stop or else he'll get deadly force. Where does that come into play if you're a Christian? You don't get to, to you know, wear your little Christian hat and then use that as, an ex- as a way to have this moral superiority click and then not actually love your neighbor as yourself, not actually, not actually wash the feet of those around you, right? And that, and that, 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 that sense of uh, service to the neighbor is so important. It's so critically foundational to the message of Jesus. So that if I'm trying to challenge Christians and people who like Jesus but they're not a Christian, they're a fan of him, to think about how can we learn from his life and apply that in a way that advances liberty in a fresh new way that can kind of build bridges for yeah. people. Yeah. Um, I've had a I don't I definitely don't think I've talked about this on the show before. Um, I have talked about it with some very close friends, so I'll just let it out here. Um, so like I have personally and this sounds like cheating to some people, but I have reinterpreted parts of the Islamic faith mm-hmm. to fit my needs. And it's it really comes from a good yeah, that's called part cheating. Of, yeah. <laughs> but it comes from a good part of my heart because there's stuff in the Hadith, which, do you know what the Hadith is? Very little. Very the, little. the Hadith are, so here's where it gets really muddied. <laughs> um, first of all, let me just plug in Mustafa Aykol. He is a Turkish author. Um He's given lectures at the Mises Institute, interviewed by Jeffrey Tucker at the Mises Institute. He wrote a book called Islam Without Extremes, A Muslim Case for Liberty. Mm-hmm. Pretty kick-ass. Yeah. Um, anyways, in this in this book, he is anti-Hadith. And once I read the book, I started understanding why and the history of it. Like, when they started gathering the Hadith, like, Maybe it was like one or two hundred years later, you know. It's like so many different hadiths were were submitted, and nobody really knew which hadith was something the prophet actually said or not. Right. So now we have all these different hadiths, and yet now now there's like different schools of thoughts on like, oh, this one's correct, this one isn't. But at the end of the day, there's a, there's some stuff that just there's good hadith, and then there's bad hadith, like. My father and I were just talking about this uh, last night because um, I always bitch about socialism and communism for some reason. And um, there, Wait, you always bitch about <laughs> socialism and communism yeah. for some reason? <laughs> right? That's so weird. That's, that's unlike you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's a really cool hadith. Um, so I would say most Muslims would consider communism haram, if you've heard of that word before, yeah. forbidden. Um Islam is very capitalistic in nature. Mm-hmm. So in this hadith, right? But it's um, mercy-driven capitalism, right? Because you don't have usury, which is good. Yes, yeah. So the prophet um, is doing his regular prayers, and he started noticing this guy that's in the mosque praying every single day for the whole day pretty much, just mm-hmm. praying, 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 praying. So he asks um, his uh, like disciples, who is that man? And they say, oh, that's Ahmed Samir. I'm making that up. Um, 
And he's like, oh, how's, why is, how's he able to be here all the time just praying every day? And they're like, oh, well, he prays every day and his brother is the one that takes care of him. His brother works every single day. And the prophet said, now let me, let me make sure I remember the exact f- phrasing. Basically, the prophet said that his brother is going to be the one that's going to make it into heaven. Because this guy is just living off of his brother's work. And in God's eyes, that is just not good. Um, So, you know, moving on. The book basically convinced me that the Hadith were something I'd rather not do with. Mm -hmm. And then there are stuff in the Quran that I also do not like or agree with. Mm -hmm. um, Stuff that I don't think a God would say. And I don't want to take the whole show to talk about Islam. I don't want to get into that. I can answer those on Facebook. Um, so I've reinterpreted parts of the Quran to be like, well, you know what? Every religion ever, including Islam, talks about how God is so awesome, mm-hmm. so merciful, mm-hmm. so blah blah blah. And I'm like, yeah, I believe I can believe that. But I also don't. Then I, but because of that, I don't think God would say some of the stuff that um, he says in the Quran or the Old Testament. Because uh, I don't know much about the New Testament, but I, I do know there's obviously big differences. But yeah, Old Testament, Quran, and I'm like, why would God say that? Or w- why was God so confused that he would say? So, you know, I've reinterpreted parts of it because I'm like, no, that makes no sense. Right. Yeah. But what, what's interesting about uh, the Islam and Christianity is that they come out of a they, their a, a historical trajectory away from uh, the old order of sacrificial violence. Mm-hmm. You know, where you're ritually sacrificing animals, right? Christ- yeah, that was a Jewish thing, right? Right. Well, it's it goes back even further than that because the Jew the Jewish tradition was even critiquing that sacrificial practice too. So if you go back to thousands of years ago to the earliest forms of of ancient religion, there was human sacrifice. That was the if we look at the earliest levels of human existence, you find evidence of ritual human sacrifice. And see, Christianity and Islam are kind of like a break away from that. And so what I'm suggesting is that religion is not some kind of alien thing that was just superimposed on people because they were ignorant, but rather it was the placenta that that humanity was birthed from. Religion is what allowed humans to have society and culture and order because without, without a sense of the sacred, without a sense of controlled, measured violence to stave off chaotic violence, Without, without a, a, it's like a without a little dose of good violence, that th- there was no boundaries for for breaking. You know, you could break anything. You could steal anything. You could have incest and patricide and all these crazy things. So, the earliest form of human society, they had to have some mechanism of creating unity without going into chaos. And I would submit that that was the ancient ritual human sacrificial practices that we see no matter where we go in the globe we see these practices of cannibalism where they would eat a common victim that's found all over the globe at the earliest levels of human society and we also see ritual human sacrifice and i and what i'm saying is that the government the modern state is a vestige of this ritual human sacrifice it's a form of scapegoating it, just like in the old days, we'd ritually sacrifice a common enemy so the preser- to preserve the unity of the people. We do this today, every day in the state. We ritually sacrifice the raw milk seller, the drug user, 
the lady who wants to sell, who wants to cut hair but doesn't have a license, right? We're always ritually scapegoating and, and pointing all of our collective fingers at one target so that we can preserve law and order or the general welfare or the public good or whatever else issue that we use, some bumper sticker to, to justify violence. Just a quick apologies to our listeners if you happen <laughs> to hear the doggy running around. I hope you enjoy it. Um, he, heard, but, he, he heard human sacrifice and animal sacrifice. He got scared. Yeah, he, was, start, he started getting angry. He yeah. was like, you're not going to sacrifice me. I know what your people now, do. Yeah. <laughs> now, I believe uh, this could be a good segue because we're just talking right now. You did mention one of the articles you wrote was about scapegoating, correct? Right. So tell us what that was about. Right. So I, I, I um, uh, am an advocate of a, a French philosopher and anthropologist named René Girard. And he passed away in 2015. I highly recommend people look into his work because it's extremely helpful for understanding the nature of the state. The state is a religious superstition, but it's a holdover again from ten thousands of years, you know, ten thousand years or so of of human development in society that allowed, uh, you know societies to bond together based on ritual common enemies that they would scapegoat as a monster, right? And so, and so that's what I'm. That's what I'm focused on in in this uh, in my in my writing is to is to show people that that scapegoating technique that we've always honed over thousands of years, that scapegoating technique needs to end. We need to stop using scapegoating to bind people together, and start using nonviolent means of uniting people based on on uh, reciprocal mercy rather than sacrifice. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hang on, let me grab that from him. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's all good. <laughs> so yeah, just, just just to recap, my basic point is that if we think that all we have to do is just intellectually persuade people to let go of statism, mm-hmm. we we're we are woefully ill-equipped to understand what's really got them in the hooks of government. It's actually a sense of religious ecstasy and, and transcendence that people feel. This, why do they get goosebumps when the American flag, the national anthem plays? And it's this, and then why do they always say the flag is sacred because of the blood sacrifice of yeah. the soldiers who died, right? Yeah. That sacrificial language is rooted, again, mm-hmm. thousands of years of humans coming together and, and having a common sacrifice that they would scapegoat to to appease the gods or whatever right yeah. but the gods weren't really there it was actually the people that they were appeasing mm-hmm. right but they just mythologize it into the sky as the gods demand the sacrifice boom their knife goes down right but that was actually to appease the crowd mm-hmm. and that's what's going on today right because yeah. that's why we have to pass new laws for you know you're gonna you know basically threaten you with force if you don't use health care the way obama wants you to yeah. or any of those things it's that the crowd needs their sense of comfort and security that everybody's taking care of or whatever the issue is. So you, the misfit, must be, you know, you must be persecuted. Yeah. So the collective can have its peace. Yeah. We have to get away from that idea. That's what... Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to take a slight detour into Vegas real quick. Uh, only because it's relevant because of something you just said. Mm-hmm. The whole we must pass a law thing. So I'm... Uh, I'm sure you are, too. You seem like an open-minded guy. Uh, Matt and I, we're friends with a lot of lefties. Mm-hmm, sure. um, and a lot of them, uh, since, well, any time a mass shooting happens, obviously. Oh, yeah, the 
we have to get rid of guns. Yeah. Argument. We must pass a law, you know, and so, some of my friends were accusing me of like not caring because they're like, well, you don't care. You know, you, you, you're just worried about your guns being taken away, but we have to do something. And I'm like, that's the silliest thing ever to like to whine and complain that we have to do something and just leave it at that. Basically asking our our overlords, you know, the crown right. to, to uh, come down and pass a new law to like save everybody mm-hmm. from us. And then and then you, you like, OK, so what kind of what kind of laws are you going to try to do? Because the Las Vegas Strip is already a gun free zone and automatic weapons are already illegal. Yes. Bump stocks. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Everyone's so scared of bump stocks now. Which on CNN they uh, did an, they did a report last night I believe it was last night or this morning I was reading the article on it this morning and the guy was showing a graphic of a weapon and talking about how we need to get rid of bump stocks and there wasn't one on the graphic he was showing yeah yeah um, but I mean for a lot of a lot of my friends who are lefties and they're like oh we need to get rid of guns we need to pass a law. To the best of my knowledge, almost each and every one of them has done drugs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like somebody told me that this was a horrible argument, and I'm like, no, this is. How is it a horrible yeah, argument? It's, it's, the argument is banning. Them. Right. Exactly. And like, I may or may not own weapons here at the house, um, but they aren't illegal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but I know how easily. I could find whatever drug I wanted to do when I was using drugs. Like, if I wanted it, I knew how to get it, and I could get it quickly. Yep. Especially, it was, like, it, here in Florida, some of, some of our friends, I'm not calling anybody out by name, but they're always going to the EDM concerts, and you know what happens at EDM concerts. Everyone yeah, very gets, well. Yeah, everybody gets on all these drugs, and that's fine. Do what you want, but... You're able to get a very illegal substance very easily. Very easily. Um, which I found, which again, which I find particularly annoying. Speaking of uh, bad infographics, uh, I think most people by now know that I'm banned from Facebook for three days as of yesterday. Um, it was like there's an article on USA Today. Both of you guys have seen it. Um, the infographic was like, here are the common accessories that you can buy for an AR-15 at a picture of like an M4 or something. And it had a M203, which is a 40 millimeter grenade launcher, which is something you'll only find in Call of Duty or as an infantryman in the United States Army or an infantryman in the Marine Corps. That's it. And it was like a very, very fear-mongering infographic. And I was like, no, you, you can't. And now everybody that's seen that thinks you can buy grenade launchers to, like, lob them into people. And that's not even true. So, yeah, there, uh, I saw this uh, I saw this meme. I didn't even make it. And it reminded me of, like, all these anti-gun people that don't know what they're talking about. It especially reminded me of, I forget his first name, last name De Leon. Uh, Democratic state senator from California that was talking about the supposed ghost gun that can shoot. Oh, David. Thir- yeah, yeah. Yeah, 30, 30 round clip magazine in half a second. In half a second. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the, you know, I shared that picture and it was like 
This is a machine assault rifle that can shoot 200 rounds and ha- has 2,000 uh, clip, which makes no sense. None of none of it made yeah, sense. It's a, a 2,000 clip. Yeah. So I got banned over that post. But USA Today can share that bullshit-ass thing they were sharing. Well, the reason why is because you were scapegoated by the reigning religion of our Western culture, which is that victimism, that political correctness, right? Mm -hmm. So they're all about policing speech to hide the violence of what's really happening in society. So if you said said incorrect speech, that was your problem, right? Mm -hmm. That's Zuckerberg and his police squad. They said, nope. Unacceptable speech. This violates our taboo of our community. Expunge, expunge. Make him feel isolated so that he will bend the knee yes. and submit to the religious authorities of our of our culture, right? Which happens to be political correctness. It's a religion, right? And so that's that's that same process taking place. That's what's going on there. But they but you know the thing is they never want to deal with the real violence. Mm-hmm. That real violence, which is like Yeah, exactly. Because, again, that's sacred violence to stop profane violence. Profane violence is just random stuff like a guy shooting, right? Mm -hmm. But the sacred violence is, well, this is good violence. So so when you pass a law and you send armed agents to use deadly force to get nonviolent, peaceful people to hand over their guns or munitions... Yeah. Somehow it's magically okay. Yeah. Just by fiat. You just say it and it's okay. Yeah. That's insanity. That's like superstition, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like the bullet is not really a bullet in the in the gun of the of the federal agent going to enforce it. Somehow magically it's just peace. And yeah. that's that's that, that's fine. That's that bullet's okay. Right. That yeah. bullet's totally fine. If they're coming to take the gun from the person not carrying a badge. That 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 gun that gun that bullet everything about that's okay. It's the gun on the opposite end. And you, and you know the thing that angers me the most about these guys that are that are making this, which is look, if you really cared about gun violence, why aren't you using you know Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert, all these guys? Why aren't you calling out what we're doing in Yemen, what we're doing in Syria, what we're doing, what we did in Libya, and continue to do in Iraq, where we're continually. You know, using gun violence against nonviolent people because of the the needs of our Machiavellian state planners that want, you know, mineral resources and oil and geographical, you know, strategy. That's all that is. So you're so you're okay with innocent nonviolent people being shot up as long as you don't have to see it on your doorstep. As long as, you know, and that's so insane to me, right? Mm -hmm. Let's let's use violence to punish nonviolent gun owners as scapegoats for this shooting. And then let's never talk about actual violence that our government's yeah. doing on a large, massive scale, yeah. destroying yeah. thousands of families, right? Yeah. Uprooting them. Yeah. For what? Yeah. They don't want to talk about it because their God is the state. Yes. You can't say, you're not allowed to question your God. Hegel was into that. Hegel, you know, the guy that Marx gets a lot of his constructs from, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted this trajectory of history. Hegel was an anarchist, right? <laughs> like a regular black anarchist, right? Uh, Hegel was a black anarchist, right? Hegel was a communist. I mean, well, he was a proto-communist. He okay. developed this idea that uh, the state had its own um, trajectory in history that, based on the zeitgeist or whatever, but basically he, his, his general principle was that the state was the god mm-hmm. and that the state, through humanity's development and the zeitgeist of our times, would eventually reach a crescendo in history where everything would, would find this kind of resolution through the state's perfection, right? Mm-hmm. Through a process of awareness or whatever, or enlightenment through humanity. But And, and that's why it's okay that, um, that the communists outlawed all these religions 
right. to some of these people anyways. Right. You know, like so, some, of the, some of my friends, man, they, they rightfully so, they, they whine and complain about Nazis, you know, and what they did to the Jewish people. I agree. But then, like, they seem to ignore the fact that Jews did not have a good time under under Soviet uh, leadership either, because mm-hmm. all religion was outlawed, mm-hmm. and and that's really mainly because, I, from from what I understand it, anyways, because one of my commie friends explained it to me. Religion is what keeps man hopeful, and if the man remains hopeful, then the proletariat uprising wouldn't happen mm-hmm. it's bullshit mm-hmm. so i'm sorry do a better job of selling your idea rather than trying to force people to not pray to their gods publicly right yeah i mean that's they just say because we call it communism somehow we're not religious but you still are mm-hmm. so humans are always you know i don't care what your ideology is you're always religious about something see see the word worship simply means imitation it means to be in awe of something to be enraptured and we're enraptured by something every day right mm-hmm. whether it's a girl we like or you know a, a philosophy or an ideology or ron paul yeah or, or money <laughs> we all we worship we're, we are enthralled by stuff all the time so we're so humans are designed to be worship-based creatures you worship money you worship power you worship beauty whatever it is we have these affections right and the question is are we going to let these affections rule us to the point where we think it's okay to use violence against peaceful people or not? That's the big question. And the left doesn't want to deal with that. The right doesn't want to deal with it either. No. No. It is that we had to be fair, you know. But yeah. I think the left is really the reigning power structure of the West, really. I do. I don't think Trump's brand of statism is going to have any lasting, you know, stranglehold into the culture. Do you? No, not even a no. little bit. Not even a little bit. He gets so much pushback from every side. Yeah. He does have a very strong base of followers, which is pretty impressive. But he, he reminds me of like a, a finale tour, a reunion tour of a band that's about to wrap up their careers. Right. Of national, he's, like the, he's like the grand final reunion tour of nationalism. And so it's, it brings out a lot of people and a yeah. lot of fervor. But it's wrapping up. This is like the grand hurrah before it, it fades off into the good night, basically. Because you see the structures... Uh, the way that the political opinion continues to move towards this victimism, right? Here a victim, there a victim, everyone's a victim, victim. <laughs> yes. And Trump is throwing that off and he's saying, no, let's be winners. We're winners. We just need to grab our winner you know, energy back and mm-hmm. just have high energy winner mm-hmm. culture and we'll win. And, and that's not how you gain power in the structure today. Today it's about how many victim badges can you um, uh, uh, you know, subscribe to yourself in order to gain the power up the hierarchical structure of victims. You know, and it's perpetually new victim identities are being layered on, and there's this continual, you know, foot race to see who's got the most victimism to be able to claim the ultimate, you know, sacred person. You can't touch me, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Trump's brand is not mm-hmm. going to stick. If that's- well, speaking of this whole um, uh, worship thing, this is actually. A pretty cool segue to go to your other um, article. Um, not that people worship football, but a lot of people watch football. Right. A lot of people are in awe by football. And you wrote um, an article about the death of football, mm-hmm. basically. So tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, well, that, the article is The End of Football. It's on the American Conservative th- this last week. And in it, my, my basic point is that football has served as a kind of like a, a – a, it's a vestige of the gladiatorial games that we've had for thousands of years in Western civilization, right? It used to have the Coliseum. Right. And back then you had 50,000 people screaming as slaves and, uh, um, you know, uh, ca- uh, people who were, were uh, imprisoned. They would be thrown to the lions naked, right? Well, thousands of years later here we have, uh, we have uh, these, these football stadiums where it's padded violence, right? Now we have big cushions. We've got all these protections for the victims of the player, players so they don't get injured. So we've changed. We don't have the same brawl love of violence as it used to be in the Roman times, right? Mm-hmm. But, the, but the point is football still serves as a kind of conduit for all of our aggressions to be misdirected. Well, I'm not going to condemn football as good or bad. What I'm saying is, is that football is going away because our culture is so obsessed with victims that now we have this obsession with concussions. So now women and, and, and mothers are not putting their children into the little leagues to let them grow in, 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 you know, in high school because of the concussion problem. And, and so I ask you, 2,000 years ago, did people care if gladiators had a concussion? <laughs> no. And then we have the issue of, of football uh, players treating their spouses brutally, right? So I ask you, 2,000 years ago, did gladiators, were we worried about how they treated their girlfriends after the game if they survived? Uh, I have to disagree with you here, but sure. hopefully you're okay with that. Sure. Um, the only thing I'm going to say is, in my opinion, two different times, um, because a lot of people bring up the whole um, bread and games, as you know, from the Roman times, and I don't consider modern professional sports bread and games because. The state isn't really providing that, and the state really has no say in it. Well, um, except they give so many tax breaks and so many I mean that, subsidies and all that. Yeah, but if, if I mean, they can stop subsidizing them, and they can tax them, and football will still exist. Probably, but... Yeah, it, I mean, come on. It, the taxes cannot be that crushing that NFL, the NFL would just die out. But on top, um, but they couldn't afford the stadiums. Those stadiums are totally financed by the. No, no, no. I mean, I'm sure they can afford them. Um, they're just making a lot more money with us paying for it instead of them, because like that's how every other corporation does it. They don't get subsidies, but they still survive. Right. Um, but I, what I also wanted to say was, I believe that the reason a lot we see a lot of these football players doing a lot of this stuff is they're in the spotlight like i know a lot of people well i'm sorry i used to know people that were not good to their wives and it's pretty typical in all over the world a lot of people assume it's just arabs but obviously us talking about the west right now it's everywhere. Like a lot of guys are assholes, and I think the reason we just we happen to see it a lot with football players is because they're football players. Yeah, I want to make sure I'm clear here. I'm not saying that football players are more uh, likely to be violent than others. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the it's the I, I'm looking at the bigger picture of the cultural trends that are making 
football such a scandal now. So it's the perception that there's a lot of violence taking place with the football players. I don't know if there's any actual data to okay. support that. Does that make sense? So I'm, I'm talking about yes. people's loss of appetite for what they perceive to be a very violent. It's becoming more, people are becoming more sensitive to violence, right? And so what I'm saying is football was, was simulated violence, simulated warfare to make us relax and have unity around our teams and, and and so uh, so uh, it was meant to make us relax and have this sense of unity and transcendence, right? So you go in the stadium and you have forty thousand screaming fans, and then what comes out first? What well, used to be Caesar, now it's the American flag and the flyover over the Jets, and that's to let you know mm-hmm. who's the real god of this stadium. It's the American. It's the American people. Yeah. yeah. And then and then so it, it's it's not it's not totally co- correlation. It's it's a transition. Because yeah. something's happened in the in in the history of the West, which has made us, you know, more more victim oriented. So we so we put cut we put cushions in our helmets, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're worried about these players having concussions. And so what it does is it's like turning on the lights during your favorite movie. It loses the sense of catharsis, that sense of suspension of disbelief that oh I'm just watching my football because now everybody's talking about politics and now everybody's talking about abuse and and concussions and brain damage and it's like ew I don't want to watch it and you see that happening and so my point with that is just to say that I don't think it's a good or bad thing that football I think is going to be on the demise in the next few decades I think it just is evidence it's symptoms of something bigger taking place which is our culture is trying to figure out what do we do with violence? And they don't know what to do. They're like grasping and they're like, oh, concussions. Oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be participating in a sport that gives players concussions. But meanwhile, we still continue the secret silent violence of right. the drug war, right? And wars. You see? And, and so there's this, you get what I'm saying? That there's just this kind of this apocalyptic reckoning that we're having. having. And I also, to kind of go along with that, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was probably really wet. Um, <laughs> To kind of go along with that, back in the 90s, because, you know, my dad's been a football fan since the 50s. Um, But in the 90s, I remember watching football, and they were talking about, oh, look at all these these football players and how they're all, like, uh, coke users or, you know, they beat their – like, all the same stuff. It wasn't the concussion stuff. It was just the bad action stuff. And they were talking about how they needed to start punishing them for, you know, punishing them harder for – doing these things because they're in the limelight and it's almost as though they've been trying football's been on its way out for a long time and then they finally uh hooked on to the concussion thing and now suddenly oh they're all victims so let's start getting them out younger exactly so they're trying to hold back on putting kids in and they don't want their kids playing football and there's going to be a less pool to play from and eventually it's just going to go away because the talent won't be there I mean, yeah, that, that's the same thing. That's the same phenomenon. Why, when you go to the movie theaters, why are the best seats in the house at the movie theater for the handicap? Because we care about victims. It's not a bad thing. I'm not saying, I'm saying this is a force of victims. That's a right? really good point. We care about, back in the old days, if you were in the Coliseum and you were handicapped, you weren't getting the best seat. That was where Caesar and his boys were hanging, right? You were the you were in the pop you know you're way up there in the peanut gallery and if if you weren't careful they would throw you down with the lions right because you're you're weak and so therefore we're watching pleasure as you're hurt because the gods the gods must have cursed you because of your weakness that's what they used to think right and now we have the opposite it's like no you get the best seat in the house if you have a handicap and if you notice like if you see a packed theater 
and there's no handicapped people sitting in those seats, people still won't sit there, even if they're trying to find a seat. Oh, I do. <laughs> well, but generally, as a cultural thing, right? That's like a thing. It's you don't violate that space, generally speaking. And I'm saying, what's making that happen in our culture? What's causing that? The big picture. What's making our culture like that? Right. Okay, I have to play devil's advocate again. I believe a lot of this um, handicap stuff that you're talking about is also by law. Mm-hmm. So if it was up to the market without the government saying you have to have that, um, I would say some places would have them and some would not. Maybe all still would. I'm just saying that right now, I believe, as far as I know, it's still like by law that uh, businesses have to have like, you know, uh, access ramps and, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know if we can count that. Well, I would say that that politics is downstream from culture. So culture is what made that feeling of we need to make a law for this. And then the law comes as a side effect of there's a popular sentiment in the culture saying, hey, let's make sure we don't miscount, you know the concerns of the, of the handicap. Yeah. So the, I think the politics is always downstream from culture. It's yeah. always, a, it's always a lag based on a cultural agreement. But then, then that's a shitty culture because I'm not trying to, I'm not saying anything about what you just said. I'm just saying like, well, the same culture gave us taxation and everything else we have. So it's not like everything. So it is a shitty culture. Well, yeah, but what he's saying is like a good part of, you know, this, this downward force, of culture, you know, that from us to the government. People, that we're not throwing handicapped people to lions. Yeah, yeah. Right, but... But but we're also getting, like, a lot of bad stuff, too. Right. So, like, how do you... How, what? That's where we come in. I mean, that's where, the, that's where the message of liberty comes in. So, you, so what I'm saying is there's a cultural uh, force taking place in the West where everybody's obsessed with victims, right? And it's good and bad. There's good things and bad things with that. So what libertarians need to do as what I'm suggesting is we come into that need for defense of victims and we steer them in the right direction, which is, hey, you know, you're not a victim if you don't get government to pay for your birth control. That doesn't make you a victim for that, right? Does that make sense? We need to clear the message up and say, but there are real victims. There are real victims. There are millions of women in prison cages today and none of your Jimmy Kimmels and none of your Rachel Maddow say a damn thing about it. So let's be the real defenders of the real victims, people who are separated from their parents, people who are separated from their children. And let's actually stop violence against victims, which is perpetrated by the state. Mm-hmm. And so let's so we have to cut through that. Be like, yeah, there's emotional victimism and there's victimization where I'm emotionally hurt. I'm emotional violence and psychological. That's all real. And there is some serious stuff. That, you know, psychological violence is a real thing. But we have to cut through all that noise and say, look. At the end of the day, the victims we should take care of the, the first are those who were throwing away in freaking human cages, right? And we're separating their families, moms, children are going to sleep every night. Right now in this country, right everywhere around we look without a mom and a dad because mom and dad are in a rape, in a rape cage. That's what it is. No, we're saying, we're saying uh, nonviolent victimless crimes, right? Exactly. Okay, yeah. Good. yeah. Just, just so everybody knows. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. We're, that we're not saying there should be no cages. Right. There should definitely be some cages. Yeah. For like the murderers. <laughs> and that's an easy principle to understand. I mean, think about it. If how do you, when do you know whether it's okay to put someone in a cage? If you would use physical restraint yourself to stop the action yourself, 
That's all you have to think about. So if you see a little old lady across the street being attacked, would you be within your moral right to physically grab the, the attacker, throw them on the ground, and physically contain them? Yes, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can extend that to the collective. Yeah. Because a cage is just a collective manifestation of you physically holding that person down so they can't attack the, the victim anymore. Mm-hmm. So you can't, that's, the, okay, so we can extend that and say there should be a law against physical violence. And there should be a law against hurting children. You can't sell an AK-47 to a three-year-old. That's an invalid contract. The child doesn't know what's going on. Right. Right? Can't yeah. sell them drugs. I, I, right? I, I've kind of talked about this before. Because obviously I'm an end cap. Sure. So a lot of people are like, oh, cocaine to five-year-olds. Yeah. The only thing I have to say about that is nobody in their right goddamn mind should should be even trying. Because like, what five-year-old's going to be trying to buy any of that? And do they have the money to buy it? Right. Unless unless the drug dealer's giving it away. Right. But that's still, <laughs> well, that's still the But I do, I do get where you're going. I All do get where you're going with it. <laughs> drug dealers always give the first one away for free. Oh, but, that, but that's the thing, though, is it's like it's still an invalid contract because the child doesn't have – he's not an autonomous individual. We don't mm. pop out as babies like little little freaking Murray Rothbards. Hello, I'm going to tell you about praxeology. It's not how we work. <laughs> Human beings are freaking helpless, man. We don't even have any sense of self until our parents impute that that model for us, right? Within eight seconds of being born, newborns are showing patterns of imitation. They're imitating their gestures of their parents. They found that to be. So we are totally dependent on others to shape our sense of self. So, But, yeah, so you have to take care of children in a, in a, in a free society, in a voluntary, uh, private property-based ethic, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 there is absolutely zero I can add to that because that was so well-spoken. Yeah, you've... I actually think you're probably one of the most interesting people we've had so far. I'm looking for a new co-host. if <laughs> One that doesn't get banned from Facebook every yeah. other week. No, seriously, you um, you seem to be very well studied. And Your check is in the mail. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> Neighborschoice.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what that email was, Ray. Oh, that's my website. Yeah. yeah. I did everything to try to get to him, man. I got... I got uh, Ryan to send him a message and then I went on Fee's website and it was like email him here so I emailed him I was like hey man this is the address <laughs> he even sent me a carrier pigeon I mean he was wow. doing anything you could to get older man did he try smoke signals that's, that's only because I'm trying I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to cosplay Game of Thrones as often as I can Matt hates it do you, do you watch it by the way I've seen it yeah I've not, I've seen good it, job yeah. good you job yeah you're an amazing human being are you a big fan Oh yeah, that's that's the that's the bar you want to set for amazing human beings on whether or not you've seen Game of Thrones. Wow, that's a low low bar. I mean, Sean sees it. I like Sean. You know your boss. Yeah. Do you talk in the middle of movies when people are watching them? Sometimes, yeah. Uh, if I'm yeah, a big you're, fan. You're both awful people then. Well, I do, <laughs> I do and I don't. Sometimes I do. It depends. Yeah. Last okay. last night I was watching a movie and he came over cuz he stayed here last night. And he comes in, he's like, oh, what are we watching? And I said, oh, um, we're watching Logan. And he goes, oh. And then he pulls out his phone, and he's like, so I'm thinking about this. I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to kill him. I'm just going to kill him tomorrow. <laughs> well, I, do the, I do the worst. I'm like the old man watcher in the theater. Like last night I was watching Blade Runner. And I'd ask my friend to the left or right, and I'd say, what did he say? I couldn't hear him. <laughs> 
because you know sometimes those acoustics in those movies are yeah. so weird you can't hear anything they're saying and i feel like such an old man like what <laughs> so. i uh like that i'm actually okay with because you're at least inquiring about the movie it's when you're inquiring about something completely unrelated to the movie oh yeah i was showing you memes yes you should be happy no <laughs> Oh, and he also walked in. I'm watching Logan, and if you don't know, it's one of the like X Men movies. And Professor Charles Xavier was on the screen. Jean Luc Picard. No, <laughs> he goes, "Oh, look, it's Jean Luc Picard." He's like, "No, it's Professor Xavier." He goes, "No, it's Jean Luc." I was like, "No, it's not." <laughs> no, it's not. Stop ruining my movie. I'm trying to watch this. I hear it's emotional. Yeah, and uh, have you seen Logan? Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm watching this one scene, I think, near the end. Yeah, well, and there's, there's all like these... 15 minutes left. Yeah, and there's these, sol- like, soldiers. That's my branch, man. I was in the army. They aren't soldiers. Whatever the hell they were, they were wearing... They looked army to me. And they were the worst fucking soldiers I've ever seen. How the fuck do you let people get that close to you before you do anything? You, you got these fucking M4s, and uh, and they're just standing there like, oh, I'm going to let this stabity stabity guy come up and stab me with his stabity girl. So it pissed, it pissed me off. That's because you can't shoot them and kill them. <laughs> you can try before they get that close to you. They had. He had gotten shot like a thousand times nope. in that movie. I, I'm going to bring this back to politics. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I got to wait bring to transition. So that's exactly what Trump is doing with the government right now. What you just said. Where you watch something in a movie and you're like, that's that's so cheesy and stupid, and I see that that's that's so fake, and it takes you out, right? It's just, it ruins the suspension of disbelief you have right. for that fantasy because you're like, there's no way that's how they would do that. They would shoot him way before that, right? That's what Trump is doing. His Trump with his vulgar speech and his obsession with himself, and he's flagrant about it. He's open about it. He's unveiling the brutal knife of the state. He's not hiding the knife of the state well. He's not hiding it. You know, with Obama and Bush and everybody, they don't, hello, we are going to do this for, this is for the common good. And he's like, no, I'm great. Did you see that hurricane I just saved you from? I'm so awesome, aren't I? Am I so cool? Do you love me? Do you love me now? Please love me. You know, that's what he's saying. They're like, ah, and then, you know, the Twitter people are like, hey, he's a narcissist. And it's like, well, you're, you're stupid. Like, obviously, they all were narcissists. Exactly. He's just yes. an amateur at it. He doesn't, yes. he's not good at, like, this polished, little, clean, politically correct, hello, we just love the little babies he's like do you see me kiss a baby i'm so cool aren't i look at me let me my ratings are up i'm kissing a baby it's like no you're he's not doing it right right? he's not hiding the violence of the state and and that's what's so awesome about it it's it's the well uh the american uh population generally is not smart enough to notice this but it's it's the emperor um has no clothes the yes the emperor has no clothing I see it, but still, no. It seems like a lot of people still don't. I was watching uh, Seinfeld came out with his first stand-up special in like two decades. Moving along, fuck off. <laughs> but at one point, I got a little worried because I thought he was going to go political, and he was like, he's like, yeah, everybody's talking about the president, you know, complaining about the president, and I'm like, I don't, I won't complain about the president because. You have to be crazy to want that job. Like, that's one of those many jobs that you have to be crazy to want. Yeah. Like, who sits there and says, oh, commander-in-chief of the military and ruler of the free world, and you know who'd be good at that? Me. <laughs> like, there, 
there is something wrong with anybody who says, oh, yeah, I think I'd be good at that job. And he is absolutely correct on that. I mean, Trump is like, okay, you have so many people that love the state and it particularly their most hardcore worshipers of the government tend to be left of center, right? The the state can do no wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And so Trump is like if you hired Chris Farley to play in Game of Thrones. You know Chris Farley, the Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. So Chris Farley's coming and says, "Hey kids, let's uh, let's kill these dwarves." And, and your you know your hardcore followers of Game of Thrones are like, "What are you doing? You're ruining it. You're mm-hmm. you're making a fool out of this sacred, beautiful, rich you know this violence and the seriousness of this so cool show." And that's what he's doing. He's turning the lights on during freaking Star Wars when Yoda comes out with a right you know with the with the with, whole, the, with the lightsaber yeah and... with the room of with the room of Star Wars fans those Star Wars fans are people that worship government he's turning the lights on on accident because he's bumbling around in this right and they're like stop you're ruining us I want to watch the movie I want to believe the government is benevolent and good I don't want to know that people who are blatant narcissists are the ones that rule it, you know? Yeah. I don't want to know this is all about you and your own, you know, ego. Right. Just supposed to tell me sweet lies. So I'll go back to pacification. Ah, sweet, tell me sweet lies. That's what they want, right? <laughs> I don't know where we're at. Yeah, we, we, we just hit an hour. Cool. I was just getting really into it. So I stopped, no, I yes. stopped looking. Yes, 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 yes. It's it, kind of like when somebody comes in the middle of a movie and starts talking to you and then insults the movie. <laughs> Somebody who believes that Star Trek is really good, even though we all know socialism doesn't work. <laughs> Do you like Star Trek? I like Star Wars better. Oh. Yeah. But you like Star Trek? It's okay. Okay. Yes. Really. really? Yes. It's okay. I'm not a hater of it. If you would like to You're be not the new, coming back. If you would like to be the new co-host, please send all emails to... <laughs> you can send it right to our Facebook page because he can't get on it. <laughs> uh, David... Thank you for coming out. Yeah, bro. we do appreciate it. Yeah, this is fun. yeah, this has been great. This has been fun. Please, uh, if you have any last words, um, if you have anything you want to promote, yeah, push. yeah, you know your websites, your articles, whatever it is, what anything you want to say, Mike's yours right now. Well, thank you, and Mark Zuckerberg, I'm coming for you because if you don't <laughs> let this guy get out of Facebook hell, he's not going to have a career anymore. You hear me? You need to stop scapegoating people. I'm cutting a WWE-style wrestling promo right now, Mark Zuckerberg. If you don't change this, we're going to get in a Hell in a Cell cage match right now and finish this once and for all. Because it seems to me like you selectively like to target people whose viewpoints you don't like. So anyways, neighborschoice.com. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you, David. I would also like to point out that uh, he finished his kava before we did. Good job. Yeah, that's... <laughs> you are that's a ch- where I got that energy. Yeah, You're yeah. a champion. <laughs> I'm afraid what kind of energy you would have come up with if you hadn't done that. <laughs> yeah, because Kava's supposed to bring you down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got a lot of good energy. Yeah, that, hopefully, uh, well, hopefully, this, hopefully this is a good sign you actually like the show then. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, well, normally we do one last bula. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I guess yeah. it's just him and I. Yeah. Oh, you got you got you got some mud. Yeah, you got some mud back there. Is this the bad stuff? Okay. All right, shells up. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me give him some. Okay. What ritual are we doing here? Uh, we same thing. The ritual of sharing. Yeah. There's no blood sacrifice. No, not yet. Uh, that comes after the show. Stir it up a little bit, real quick. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Bula. 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 All for one. You're crazy.
We drink it all the time and we don't like it. <laughs> there have been times that I'm like, you know what? That was really refreshing. And people look at me, they're like, what? No. <laughs> You're right. No, it wasn't. I, I believe out in, I'm just going to guess it's Fiji. Um, if you make this like face, you know, it's a sign of respect because the person that made the coffee made it really good. <laughs> yeah. 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 What face is it again? The, can you do it into the camera? It's like a, it's like a, like that. This, the, the, oh my God, that's so disgusting face. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, that's it for today, guys. Yeah. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash muddied waters of freedom or on Instagram at muddied waters of freedom or on Twitter at muddied underscore waters. Or you can catch this and all of our past episodes audio at muddied waters of freedom.com, uh, which will be uploaded probably tomorrow, maybe Monday. It really mm-hmm. depends on what Muhammad has going on. Um, <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. Please like, please share. Don't forget, December 2nd, Grassroots Kava House. We will be having our one-year anniversary show. Caleb Alexander Franz is coming down from Ohio. Greg Bowen, I believe, is going to be on. Uh, we are talking... I, be- I have talked with the owner of Alu Ball, uh, Matt Masifalo. And he said that he may be able to come out and do a small kava ceremony for us. Um, we may be having a musical guest, possibly. Okay. Yeah, uh, we've. It's going to be a huge event, so please come on out. Uh, come on out, say hi, visit us, visit Ken. You get to finally meet Ken in person instead of the short <laughs> twenty second, yeah. twenty second bits that he shows up on our show. Um. Well, yeah. Uh, sorry about the sound of the dogs all episode. That's why I'm a cat guy. Uh, and remember where we're going. We don't need roads.